When I was a kid, never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now, what's the plan now? Gotta move on, those days are gone now. Take me back. Another episode of Stories That Need To Be Told. Last night at the Soho House in Los Angeles, California, we screened a stand-up guy. Written and, written and directed by yours truly. I'm not somebody that can sit there and gloat at their own work. When I create something or I write something, I know that it can always be better. It can always be better. It can always, there's no ceiling to art, which is the great thing and the troubling thing. You know, it's just never finished in my, when I'm looking at something that I did. I have a hard time watching myself do stand up on television. I have a hard time. I just have a hard time. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the hell you call it. I've heard other directors, writers talk about it. No, I've rarely met anyone who's like, I love watching myself. I love, I wish I had that kind of self-love, you know, like that kind of, I don't even know what that is. It's almost delusional because you almost think that you're somebody else. If you love watching yourself that much, I think you're out of your body. (laughs) There are people like that. I think it's called narcissistic personality disorder. And America and the world in the time that we're living in is full of it. Anyway, we screened the movie last night. Jordan, who's sitting with me right now, was an associate producer on the movie, worked hard on the movie. We busted our ass on this movie. It was an independent movie. Uh, The producers, the finance guys, they were at my premiere of My Man is a Loser. They loved it. After the premiere, they came out. They hugged me, a friend of mine. He had two finance guys with him. I didn't know at the time who they were. And then two weeks later, they called and said, Mike, we love your movie. We want to do a comedy. What do you got? They hired me. It happened just like that. And within a year, you know, within six months after finishing and premiering My Man is a Loser, I was into pre-production on another movie. I feel blessed, very lucky. Who knows if it's going to happen again? I just feel lucky now. Made the movie loved making the movie had a great time on set got to hire friends that i respect bob saggett's in it does a cameo i can't even call it a cameo he's like in the movie he's a good and he's a great character and does a damn good job of acting big laughs big laughs and like a real deal character i wrote him as like I wrote him as a heartbroken redneck who sings ridiculous country songs about stalking and keying his girlfriend's car and he he literally sang the exact melody I had in my head when I wrote it, and he killed it. And I got to, you know, Ethan Supley, who's a great actor from Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Earl. He's been acting for 20 years. He's a great actor. I told him, Ethan, just, just play Nick Nolte's soul in 48 hours. And he came strong and amazing. Yeah, he was great. Great. Jay Ferguson from Mad Men. Created an amazing character. I had him play the leader of a, of a of a biker gang called the Iron Badgers in Wisconsin. And he came to me, flew to New York. When he got to New York, he came to my apartment. And he's like, listen, what do you think about me talking like this? I see you standing there. I don't like what I see. I'm like, you know what, Jay? I'll write towards that voice. And I just started writing. I, I just kind of started rewriting a little bit. He says ridiculous things. He's amazing. He's a hit in the movie. So good. You won't even recognize him as the guy from Mad Men. Mm-mm. He goes long hair, mullet, goatee, you know, big and tired. And he's great. He's great. And Danny A. Abakazer is the lead, plays the comedian. And Danny, Danny does a damn good job for somebody who doesn't have nearly the experience of every single person that was around him. He held it down. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He played that Brooklyn Street fish out of water. You know, he played Brooklyn Street hood fish out of water. And before we started filming, he kept coming to me, going, "I'm gonna talk like this, and I'm gonna walk like this." And I'm like, you know what, Danny, you don't have to do shit, buddy. You just have to read, and you are the guy. I'm, I wrote this basically around you, for you. So just do you. Because like in social settings, he's one of the funniest people I know. You know what I mean? Like We would be sitting at Tao or some club. He'd be telling a story, and I'm like, that's it, dude. This movie is about a guy who's the funniest guy in his neighborhood and stumbles upon a gift later in his life. Yeah, he's definitely able to command a crowd for sure in such a way that I really haven't seen from many other people. No, he's got some crazy gift. I think it's his wide eyes and confidence. He's got this crazy confidence. 
and it's almost psychotic. You know what I mean? Because he'll he's he's borderline. He'll say some shit that is incredible, and it's like it almost doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mike, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'll be nominated for seven Oscars in the next four years. I can't do your last. Couldn't do your last movie. There wasn't a three scene arc. Oh right, he wanted to play the DJ, or you wanted him to play the DJ. I offered him to play the DJ. Right. He, opposite Michael Rappaport and My Man is a Loser. Thank you, Danny, for my on-screen debut for passing on the role. Yeah, you passed on the role. I gave it to Jordy, and Jordy ended up getting yelled at by Stamos because Stamos was upset that I didn't hire a SAG actor. Sorry, Meanwhile, John. I'm so brand new, it didn't even cross my mind. I wasn't thinking about the union And that's how I became friends with Rappaport, and now I produce his podcast. Look at that. Crazy. I believe in open the door, make an introduction, see what happens. We're all connected. It's all love, bro. It's I'm, all human connectivity. I'll never forget uh, practicing lines on the street outside of Marquee with Rappaport, 100 degrees, and him like showing me the ropes. He's like, I'm going to do this, and what about this? And we were collaborating. He's so talented. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Yo, bro, you got to play ping pong in a scene, basically. You, you got to go in a scene with Michael Rappaport. Who's also in a stand-up guy. Yeah, who's phenomenal in my movie. Hachu. I developed this ridiculous thing, and it worked. And that, this is one of those things, I got to pat myself on the back just for one second. I gave Rappaport, he plays the local sheriff when the gangster goes to the small town. He plays the local sheriff. So I said to Rapper, I, I, I don't know what the hell came over me, but I thought, wouldn't it be funny if a guy sneezed, but he didn't really, it was like, because I've been around people who have these weird different sneezes. So I thought, wouldn't it be funny if he just sneezed, like a half sneeze, but it was his sneeze, <laughs> if he was just sneezed and said the word hachu, but that really was a sneeze. And I got to say, it killed. It worked. It killed. It crushed. And he's so damn brilliant, man. He just, you know. That's like the favorite thing of, of this whole business, of this job for me is like when mo there's moments where like Rappaport's like, Mike, should I sneeze like this? Hachoo. Or should I sneeze like this? Hachoo. <laughs> where in life do you get to have that? Like that's what this is about. You know, you're collaborating on ridiculousness. It was just the goofy puzzle pieces came together. And they did. We got to watch it last night. Yeah, and it was cool, man. So last night, you know, 50 people, Soho House, which is like, and I'm nervous as hell because I'm just nervous watching my movie on screen. I'm just nervous. I'm lucky. You guys are lucky. I even sat in the theater. I was in there hiding my face and chewing my white shirt. How far with a were skin you sitting? Rash. Were you sitting in the back? Yeah, I was in the back. You were in the back. I was in the front, and I could hear your laugh from the back. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> Yo. Yo, my dad had that laugh. I have that laugh. I laugh with a one breath. Ha! That's my laugh. But I, don't. I, I was happy because I that meant that I knew you were still in the theater. Yeah, you knew I was. And I kept looking at the door like, maybe I'll leave now. You know? And I'm like, when people are like, if I, I saw one dude on his phone for a second, I, I leaned in. I was like, phone. <laughs> I was like, phone, buddy. Like, you can't fuck with my head when we're watching my movie. I'm too nervous. But who were you sitting next to? By myself. And then some big athlete dude walked in. One of Frankie's boys. Hmm. Some six foot five dude who just looked athletic. He came in 20 minutes late. I almost threw him out. Okay. You know, coming in 20 minutes late to a screening, bro. You're throwing the vibe off. Yeah, but there was a couple people in, from the movie that were there, right? Yeah, Annie. Annie Heisey, who's a star of the movie. She's one of the leads. She was there with her heavy-handed uh, fiancé. No, their husband. Husband, right? They got married. Yeah. She had so many love scenes in the movie with Danny, she had to go marry her husband. <laughs> ben Lyons was there. Ben Lyons was there. Um, he did great. Stevie? Ben was solid. Oh, Ben. Yeah, ben that, was, he was solid. That worked. Totally worked. You know what I mean? He totally worked. You know, we had to do a little cutting in the beginning, but Ben killed it. He did a damn good job. He seemed preoccupied. I think he was upset about something last night. I don't know I, what it was before he, the movie. I think he's just very busy. Summertime sports talk radio. Yeah. Is he a big sports talk radio guy? Oh, yeah. He's uh, ESPN 710. He's 710 LA. He's on the air all the time. Okay. So no wonder he's got a lot on his mind. So, but the movie played well. It really did, man. It played well. And we've been through hell and back. And for anyone out there that's thinking about making a movie, or, you have to just know this. It is the most collaborative thing in the world. It's one of the most collaborative things. It's like building a building. If you don't, if not everyone, if everyone's working on your building and you got like a couple workers that are slacking, even in the over near the plumbing area, your building isn't going to fly. It's not going to be as dope as it can be. 
You need to figure out a way to get everyone involved in your movie to care, to have a high level of care. And that's not easy. You know, so my whole thing is I just try to come happy to set, prepared to set, like give that vibe off like, yo, this is love. Like, let's all just like love this. And I know some people just need a paycheck. I know some people are just in there for like the, you know, just to make a dollar and they don't, they can't care. I see motherfuckers, you know, if we're doing a bar scene and somebody over near props is maybe like not filling a glass, it's because they don't care. You know what I mean? If you got like seven empty glasses at a table, they weren't paying attention. They didn't care. But you need to like see how to get your level of care and spread that around because everything matters. Every single thing in a movie matters. I don't care if, you know what I mean? If the art director doesn't, if he doesn't, if he sees, if he allows one of his little designer light bulbs that's in the background of the stage and it's a little bit off or the batteries went out and, 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 and two of the lights aren't working, but he's going to let it fly. You can't let it fly. And as a, as a director, I got to be on top of all that shit. And it's heavy on the brain. It is heavy on the brain and it, it affects you. You know, you saw me. I lost 20 pounds. I had skin diseases. My dandruff, I thought, you know, it looked like it was snowing in front of my face. Dandruff was falling off my forehead. I looked like a disaster. And I look like a disaster after my man is a loser too. Right. So I am now starting to understand that when I'm in hardcore work mode, it kind of like my body eats it, eats it eats itself. I can't even talk. It eats itself. Why is that tough to say? But anyway, the screening went well. Everybody congratulated. A lot of clapping. A lot of congratulations. I have a hard time accepting compliments. I know that for my life. I just like people. It bleeds into my relationships when girls are like, I love you. I'm like, bullshit. Liar. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just have a hard time accepting it. It's something I'm working on. We'll talk about that in the next episode. But I need to work on like allowing love to come in. Yeah, I just need to allow that. And so people were very complimentary. Yet, me as writer-director, I still see flaws and moments that I wish we changed, you know? And this was one of the things you and I talked about. Like, when we had our cut. The director's cut. The director's cut. When I had my cut, I really enjoyed the rhythm and the pacing of it. I really did. Was there some fat because Frank, the editor, was a fuck Sometimes, like, he just didn't give a shit. Like, I hate to shit on somebody, but, like, this is a guy that threw temper tantrums and, like, kind of got my face a few times. We fired him and brought on a great director. I mean, a great editor. But we had some issues. He had some issues. You know? Definitely. One, one day, I caught him smashing the table with his hand, and he broke the table he was editing on. He's, he's a disaster. <laughs> but it came out great, and it was all party vibe. You know? It was just a good night. And so I was riding that high. Excuse me. Excuse me. As high as I can make it, you know, like for me, I don't get high on my own shit. Like I just don't. I get high on other people's shit. I'm just not a dude that like, you know, you know how I am. I don't pat myself on the back all day long like that, which is weird because I feel like maybe like when high school I was like more cocky. But no, it's just with that that mullet. That, you know. Yeah. When I was flying with the mullet and the pink cummerbund at the prom, I was I had shit going on. I had attitude. You think single Mike on the basketball court's got an attitude? You should have seen me in high school, bro. I was straight Detroit, eight eight point six mile. <laughs> I had a real attitude. Um, but the movie it went well, played well. I'm cool. We will start real music this week. Start to put real, true music in there. We will do color correction. Sound design will be a huge thing. Oh, sound design is gonna be so key in this movie. Absolutely. So once sound design happens, and I need to talk to these people because that's another level of care that you need. You need your sound people to care big time. Yeah, I mean, just what was it like for you watching the movie and then thinking about where the sound design is going to come into play? Because especially since there's a lot of different beats that are going to come from the laughter of the crowd. While oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to get on one train and that's going to be the story train. And I'm going to know that... Some of Danny's jokes don't deserve that heavy of laughter because it's just unrealistic. So I want to go in there and I want to start with low laughs, feel it out, you know what I mean? Pepper in stronger ones at the better moments. Some moments, there'll be no laughs. Some of his practice sessions, like when he was like gearing up to do comedy and he was preparing for the show, there were too many laughs going on. I want to take a, three quarters of those laughs out. When you're doing open mic shit, there's no one in there usually. I've right. done 100 shows in a Ramada basement in front of six people where nobody's laughing. 
That's the real shit. That's the feeling I want. I want joke, 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 glass clanging. One chuckle. That's what's up. Yeah. You know? So all that crazy laughter is going to be dissipated and shaved and trimmed. Um, other than that, it'll be basic sound design. There was nothing crazy going on. You know, it'll just be levels and keeping everything clean. Um, but I was just happy that the movie played. And then uh, then you and I went upstairs. One of the actors, Andy Fischella. Fischella? Yeah, Fischella. Great actor, man. Great dude, man. He's he's fucking gangster. You know, he's straight up real deal. Like Andy's no joke. He was great in the movie. He's the the boss. He's the he plays the mob boss, Uncle Pat. And Andy's a good actor, you know. He comes strong and powerful, you know. And so we sat at, up up and he was like grilling me. What are you going to do about this scene? And this scene. What do you think, Mike? What's going to happen in this scene? He's a, he's energy. He's high energy, dude. You got to chill with him. Totally. You know, and we were just talking funny. You know, he's real. He's kind of is a street dude. You From know, New York, right? From New York, has whooped a lot of people's asses and has cost him. It's cost him money, and that's he, he was telling us about that. Yeah. No more fighting. It's cost him over a hundred thousand in bills. No more fighting. You know, but he's a real street dude, and uh, it's funny, man. I, that's that's another thing I absolutely love about this business. I love that being a comedian and you know just being in this business and doing comedy. It's like I did the Laugh Factory a couple weeks ago, blew it up, crazy. Chuck Zito, Hell's Angels leader, one of the former leaders of the Hell's Angels, came up. He's like, "Dude, you're hilarious. Come to the Rainbow Room for dinner." <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm at dinner with Russell Peters and Chuck Zito at the Rainbow Room. I'm like a fan of Chuck Zito. I've knew I, I knew who he was. I've known who he was for, for 20 years, you know, but my point is, is like when you do something like comedy and your job is just to make people feel good and laugh, you get characters that dig you. They dig you. They want to totally. be around you. It's like you get a built in wolf pack. You know what I mean? If I got a problem, I, I could call this couple of people I could just call that are very kind of high level. Yeah. Comedy is a great connector. The best connector, man. It's like, and I, th- I had that thought last night in the theater while people were laughing. Because that's a tough crowd. Yeah. Danny invited his club promoter friends and people that live in the club life, vampire lifestyle, and they were laughing. And I was like, we're good. If these stuck-up motherfuckers who are, you know, who are used to bottle service and fine-ass girls with sparklers in their hand, if we got them laughing, we got the Midwest locked. I was very happy with the reaction of the movie because the story, it works but also up top the characters and just kind of the jokes that, you know, maybe on paper to certain people wouldn't necessarily play. On screen, it was playing left and right goofy characters. Isn't that great? It felt like a throwback kind of movie. That's what we were talking about today. We were talking about Uncle Buck. We were talking about John Candy. We were talking about his style. Right. You know, who's Harry Crumb? And it's like, that's what I grew up on. I grew up on Blazing Saddles, History of the World. John Hughes movies. That's in my brain. So I feel like when I go to write comedy, I've always had my own voice, but I think you can't help but spit some of your idols. Like, I think it's just in you because that's just what makes me laugh. Yeah. If someone in the studio game is listening to this, you come to us, we'll give you a banger comedy. A banger. Ooh. A banger. Because that this movie was not made for a lot of money. I was thinking that same thing too. I was like, yo, I got studio laughter. I'll put I'll put my jokes up, you know, allow me to get cocky for one sec, but I'll put my fucking jokes and my comedy up against anyone in the game right oh, now. The comedies that are coming out lately are just come just on, wah, man. Wah. You know, I told you, you know, I sold the show to HBO with my boy Scott Stuber, who's a great producer, you know, and he hit me up and he's like, "Yo, Mike, I'm gonna get you in the studio system and get you some, you know, see what comedy is good for you to write." I'm, I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that, but. I don't know if he meant like he's, they have ideas and I'll, I'll write one of them or come to him with an idea. Three episodes from now, we'll check back in. Yeah, we'll check. But uh, reaction was great and we sail the night off into fucking club life. Well, you went to the comedy store first, right? First I went to the comedy store just to like kind of, you know, unwind. I had to unwind. A lot of compliments. Great thing. Most people like to go right out and party, party. No, no, no. I need a moment. It's like having a great show after comedy. I like to chill for a sec. Went to the comedy store, sipped a few cocktails, saw some friends, told them about the screening, all positive, kicked it at the store, saw Joe Rogan perform for like 20 minutes. He was killing it. 
And then I knew it was time to go to One Oak, and my boys were on the prowl, and we had a booth all set up. Isaac Gindy, who owns Century 21 Clothing in New York, which is a huge company, he is one of the executive producers. He helped finance the movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and he's such a good dude, and he just pays for everything, and it's like... Like last night, I was even thinking, like, can I chip in something? But it's like a joke to some people. Like, what am I going to throw? $300 on a $10,000 tab? Anyway, he had a table, a booth, tequila, Where bottles lit on fire was next it? to the DJ booth oh, at so One downstairs. Oak. Expl- downstairs. Describe One Oak to the listeners who have never been there. The Los Angeles One Oak. LA One Oak. You walk in, it looks like a gigantic, uh, not a, like a, it's just like a giant space. It is one huge square. And you walk in, and right in front of your face are 600 people on a crowded dance floor, well lit with like crazy lighting going on, and it's loud as can be. On the outside of the dance floor are all the booths surrounding the perimeter. So you go one booth. You got promoter so A. He's got 16 hot chicks. He's you know he claims to be part owner of One Oak, yet he's a promoter. He's got all his girls. Next to him, three pro athletes all wearing sunglasses, two with dreadlocks, six hot white bitches, two Arab chicks, and bottles everywhere. Continue on, Middle Eastern booth. You get the dudes from the Middle East fucking rocking and rolling, loving the techno shit, probably on Molly. They got a patch of girls that they probably paid for. They got their booth. Hook around, cross over the dance floor, come to our side. To our right was all girls. So somebody set up just a table full of girls that we could talk to that were next to us. I found out they were like some from Orange County. One chick was from Miami. They were like our next door neighbors. So you move, ah. it's basically one oak is like you move into a neighborhood. Totally. And who's your neighbor going to be? It's so close quarters in there. It's real tight. Real tight. I'm not good at tight. I don't make myself big like I should. Like I kind of get small in a club because I'm not a, I don't like physical being bumped into. So I kind of try to hide. But I got big last night. And I was like, this is my space. Don't fuck with me. So we get our table, me. Couple of three of our producers, Danny A from the movie, Stevie Gutman from the movie. Mm. Stevie was great too. Plays a manager in the movie. Stevie killed it. Yeah, he was great. Great character actor. The only note I gave him in the movie, I said, "Yo, go watch Broadway, Danny Rose, and go watch this dude who manages ridiculous acts, and go just study and see what you come up with." And he came strong. He was there with his girl and her sister. And then Ron, who's a producer on our movie, Ron Rofe, great dude, uh, investor. And so we had it going on. Night's going fun. Everybody's, the music is playing. They're playing ASAP Rocky. They're playing Meek Mill. DJ Jusky's killing it. He's like Jay-Z's DJ. Fun night. I'm talking to a chick next to me. I look at Ron. I'm like, man, she's cute. He's like, yes, she's so hot. And so I was like in that mood of like, yo, I just directed and wrote a movie that we screened. I'm feeling strong and confident. I'm just going to throw myself out there. And I just walked up to her and said, I want to take you to lunch. I said that in the middle of a loud ass cloud, a club. Now you have to, you got to know how to talk to a girl in a club. There's a technique. You got to go on the in-between beats or you got to wait for a song transition. Because <laughs> you can't talk to a chick when the chorus is popping. You got to listen to the music. Next song's coming. Hopefully, it's like a Meek Mill acapella coming in. You squeeze in your words during an acapella. Oh, man. You're like a conductor of a club. Yeah, I'm straight up. Like, like you want to know about how to talk to a girl in a club? I'll give you Club Talk 101. These are more things I wish I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like part of my act. I always want to write a bit about, like, I'm getting good at shit I didn't want to get good at. Like, I'm, develop- I'm like a single superhero. <laughs> I can literally walk through One Oak holding a, a shot glass. Filled to the brim with Don Julio and Yeho neat, I don't spill a sip. I'll walk through the entire club, 700 people dancing, pro athletes bumping into me. I don't spill a damn sip. I'm literally like, I'm like that dude that walks the tightrope across the uh, Twin Towers back in the day. I forgot his name. Le Petit to Petit, whatever his name is. Um, so we're talking. So I get her number. Now, Ron is my boy. But. There's code, and I live by the code. Man, I live by man code, straight up. If you tell me I like that girl, I'm either going to introduce you to her or I'm just not going to talk to her if you tell me you liked a girl. That's just how I live. And let me preface this by saying that Ron and Mike 
are like the same height. Same height. You know, if this was a boxing match and, and you know, the, 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 the height, the weight, the reach. The- Weighing in at even 187 pounds from Detroit, Michigan, with a record of 26-1-1, one and one, Mike. Young and from New York City, weighing the exact same amount at 186 pounds, same exact haircut, same skin tone, both Jews, same vibe, both good smilers, both like women, Ron Rofe. So we look alike, we stand alike, we, we got a similar vibe for sure. So I got her number. Well, I didn't think anything of it. Ron lives in New York. And by the way, I'm always the guy that's like, go ahead, talk to her, take her. I don't care. There's enough to go around in the world. Oh, sounds like there's a lot of girls going on last night. They're everywhere. What are you going to do? I'm not a girl collector. Some dudes are girl collectors. I'm not that dude. So I get her number. Next thing I know, Ron's gone. Ron went to high. He went to another club. I didn't think anything of it. Great night, fun night. Mike, come to the after party. Come to that. No, thanks. No, thanks. I'm going to go home. Where was the after party? After party was at Andre, who's a promoter, one of his boys' places. This guy, Darren, has an after party. Everyone's inviting me to the after party. I don't want to go to the after party. I'm so excited to come home and watch a Sopranos episode and eat. I can't even tell you. So I don't go to the party. I come home, I watch The Sopranos because I'm st- we're doing a one-hour drama set in Detroit. I'm studying television right now. I'm studying quality dramas. So I study Sopranos. I come home, all good, all good. I know I'm waking up for ball today, waking up for basketball, excited about it. Drink a lot of water before I go to bed, pop a couple Advil so I wake up feeling good. I wake up today, starts with a little tension from Ron. I'm on my way to basketball. Ron hits me up. Mike, Mike, can you pick me up? No. I'm already on my way. I'm not picking you up. (laughs) Oh, come on. What's the matter with you? I'll never forget this, Mike. He's a little upset about something. I can hear it in his voice. We get to basketball. I see Ron. Mike, I can't believe you're that type. What are you talking about? I can't believe you're that type. What are you saying? I told you a girl's hot. You go get her number. Oh, here we go. Here oh. we go. And Ron, for the first time today, rocking some skinny headband. Like, he was looking at himself in the mirror ready for this. Yeah, he came to go to war with me. <laughs> so he's like, you got her number. And I told you how hot she was. Obviously, he didn't hear me saying, I just talked to her five minutes earlier. He didn't hear me saying, yeah, I think she's hot too. Not just that, Ron. I love you, buddy. We both thought she was hot. You live in New York. What are you doing? You know what I mean? You, you run a billion dollar fucking uh, what do you, uh, investment company. I got a four-door Honda Accord and an acoustic guitar. Give a motherfucker a break. <laughs> I'm single Mike. I'm going to work my shit. Right. You know what I mean? Back up, player. Call the jet and tell him to take us somewhere. All of us. She'll have a friend. You know what I mean? Don't bust my balls for that. Have you? Ever I was in the total right on that. I, you know, I, I want, I want Ron to get that, like, because he's the nicest guy ever. Maybe that's the thing. Like, he's a little too nice. You know, actually, come to think of it, at the after party for uh, a stand-up guy. Remember back in the day, like the rap party. Yeah. He was into one of uh, one of our hair girls, and he like came over to me and was like, "Do you know that girl?" Like, who is that girl? I was like, he oh. takes a, he talks like a wise old rabbi. <laughs> he does. He's like, oh, you know that girl? Can you introduce me? Like, I, I, she's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, she's she's a pretty girl. Like, you should just go talk to her. Was it Alicia? No, it was Alicia's roommate. Oh yeah, she snuck up. Yep, I remember. What's, okay, yeah, yeah, and so Shauna. So he goes, like, he goes to talk to her, and I'm thinking like. Like, he's in. He's got it. Like, this is just Ron. Ron's, you know, I don't think anything came of it. Like, Ron, come on. Just, you've got all the tools to success. If you want to go one-on-one against Mike, you got to bring it. You can't just say, like, oh, I would have had that. You got to give the woman some credit. Yeah. She's not just going to come to you. Yeah. You're not wearing a shirt that says I run a billion-dollar investment company. No. Just, 
And I've seen him pull girls, fine girls. I'm sure. I've seen him in New York pull some super fine girls. I was talking to a girl on the couch. He took her right away. Oh, so you're saying you're you're saying that he's done it to you? He's done it. I've seen it done. See, that's Ron. I've seen it done. Ah, you know that's that's tough. You can't have everything. You can't have everything. These guys are all so used to having everything. I've worked for everything, anything. My life's been an uphill battle. I was born on a fucking scrap truck. You know what I mean? So did you? So you did you feel the spillover in the game? Today? I felt the spillover. Talk about. He it. set a strong pick on me that was unnecessary when I got the inbound pass, and he's not a fucking defender like that. He's not a speedy defender. He's a big guy like me. His arms are so long. Long arms. Oh my god. So he tried to like attack me on the inbound. You know what I mean? He clanged knees with me when I was hurt and oh, didn't say, are clanged, you okay? I thought that was Glenn. No. Oh, it was Ron. It was Ron's knee. <laughs> he clanged knees with me and didn't say, are you okay? Oh, you Now, got, I was a little hurt. You got in his head. I'm sensitive. I got in his head, but like I wasn't trying to get in his head. He's a sensitive dude. I, I didn't know this about him. Yesterday, we went to lunch with Rappaport. We had the best lunch ever. You know, but apparently Ron's more sensitive than I thought. You know, I I took his like mellow demeanor to be like stern. I, I thought maybe he was like more stern and just a little colder. No, he's just a big kid that wants a hug. I'll hug him. You should. I'm gonna hug him. You guys are the same height. It'd be a great hug. I'll hug him out. To, I hope I might hug him in Malibu tonight. Unexpected hug. Oh yeah, Malibu. I forgot that party's happening. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So anyways, so screening goes great. Tension spills over to basketball. Still a solid game. Great run today. Sweated amazingly. Just got feel like I'm just in better shape because I've been clean eating for a week. I'm down eight pounds. I feel strong. Perfect amount of guys today. Perfect amount of time. Totally. We had we had eleven guys today. It was hot, but not too hot, and we ran a bunch of games. And yeah, perfect. Everybody was fulfilled today. Oh. I got a little annoyed with the club promoter crew because they were talking so much about the tr- the whole Clipper game thing, the Clippers and trading and all this. But like, enough is enough, fellas. Don't don't be on athletes' dicks like that. Like I always think of the shit like this. Like these athletes don't they don't give a fuck about me, right? Or maybe they if they come to the comedy show we could be cool. But like I don't live through an athlete's life. I don't want to hang out with at- like a bunch of. I love people's work. I don't want to. I love Chris Rock as a comedian, the man. I don't want to hang out with Chris Rock. I have no desire to go to a bar with Chris Rock, man, the, at all. The, the could role. be the nicest guy in the world. I truly want to stay. I respect your talent. I. It makes me want to work hard, but I ain't trying to hang out. The Rolodex of professional athletes that are in those guys' phones is unbelievable. I was standing next to Frankie a week ago. Uh, I went out to hide and. I'm standing next to him, and he gets a text from Andrew Wiggins. He's like, oh, Andrew Wiggins is coming. 30 minutes later, Andrew Wiggins shows up. Oh, hey, hey, Andrew, I want you to meet my boy Jordan. Yeah. Hello, rookie of the year, future superstar of the NBA. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Those guys, that's their business. And and they have the lock on the pro athlete section of it. Totally. You know, they got the pro athlete lock. So that's good for them. Like some people have the movie stars in the club business and that's who makes them their money. And athletes spend tons of money. Some people have the rappers on lock. You know, some got the Middle Eastern dudes on lock. Some got the just the mil, you know, the multimillionaire dude who's nerdy. Some some guys got them on lock. Uh, the club business is an interesting game. Totally. And then these club guys coming into our game and you know, you notice that when when friends come to the game, and especially when they're doing us a favor for coming because we're a little bit light on guys, you try to put them all on the same team to let them kind of do their thing. Yeah. But once the the Clippers talk started, and they were their whole game was thrown off. I don't mind. I don't blame you for being annoyed. You know, it was kind of funny because I was talking to Glenn before the game, and we're trying to guess if any if these guys are any good, and we're playing the game of they're dressed like they're good. Uh huh. Maybe they're good, and that dude's rocking the bull shorts, the camo. Socks, camel socks, Nike. That, he stunk. He couldn't catch a ball. Couldn't catch a beach ball. Crazy. Like you. What There's nothing you worse than the best dressed, worst, worst athlete. If you're a terrible athlete, come dressed as a terrible athlete. Right. Don't fool us. 
Or give somebody else your fucking $300 weird pull-up socks. It's crazy because I'm breaking up the teams and I've never played with this guy. And I'm looking at him and I say to Glenn, oh, I bet you he's good just because of you what just he was went, wearing. Yep. You just you looked at his body type. He had an athletic walk. He had strong shoulders and biceps. Wearing like an under like an Under Armour tank top under his outfit. I'm thinking this guy plays like four times a week. Absolutely. He looked like he goes to the gym a lot and plays ball. He had like a gorilla walk and couldn't fucking play for the life of him. Fooled me. Did he take a single shot today? I don't think he, I can't remember, I can't remember I him can't taking a shot. I can't remember one shot that guy took. Frankie, you could, Frankie is probably 32 years old with a 78-year-old game. He plays like Metal Arc Lemon. Frankie. He's over dribbling. He's, he's doing too much. He's like a Mexican RD. Yeah. He has RD's game. But we have a guy who dribbles nonstop and fucking fakes himself out, then throws it to someone who's not there all the time. Look, I, Frank, he, from the first time I played with Frank, and he's Frank, good. He's definitely gotten so much better since the first time I played with him. And you could tell he's got skills and knows the game. Yeah, I mean, a, a year ago I played with him. He was the worst player in the gym, if you could believe it. Wow. Yeah, he's improved a lot. He must have come back fresh from knee surgery or some yeah, shit. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And he's, yeah, he's got some skills, but. Frankie, you're not the point guard. Just calm down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Relax. Wearing his Chris Paul jersey. And is it just me? Or maybe I am messing up in the game a lot, but I feel like people are like... I feel like it's been my whole life. Maybe I give off like a kid vibe because people are like bossing me around on the court. I'm getting bossed around by other grown men. Yeah. Do I have some kind of like kid vibe? Like, let me know what's up. All right. So there's something that I've noticed about you lately that it's... I've, it's been cracking me up a little bit. You, I've never heard anybody have as many sound effects while playing basketball as you do. You have the ball. You're setting the pick. You're taking a shot. Sit, go, ah, 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 Go, go through. Uh, uh, I'm like, Mike, what the hell is going on? You've been playing very well lately, but like, I think that kind of lends into the kid type of vibe because you're like. You are making sounds <laughs> as you're playing. You're dribbling. You're like you're like a like uh, a like a JV player in in his backyard taking shots with no one watching. Like, three, two, one. Uh, uh, I used to do that my whole life. I sat. I'm, I would sit it. on my driveway for hours and pretend I was coaching myself <laughs> and I would pretend it was the end of the game. I would do that forever. I love that. But no, but you think that's why I think they boss me around because you know maybe I is. sound like a kid? There, I think that might be part of it because I don't hear. I've never uh, heard. Even in life, people have done that. I've never heard anybody else do it as consistently as you do. But you know what it is about your game is you have a very unique game. You have a good post-up game. You take jump shots that then you use the bank. Not a lot of people use the bank shot. So, like, it's it works for you, but it wouldn't work for other people. So that means that people are trying to think like, oh, he's doing something different. Let me try to coach him, get him into what's good for me or what would be good for our team, what I think. But what the mark of a true leader or a teammate is to just kind of play with whoever you're with and you just got to make it work. Yeah. People have been bossing you around like, God, you set the pick Yo, here. And I finally, last game, I lost it a little bit when RD was bossing me around. I said, Yo, just throw me the ball. Do you, do you remember when I did that? Yeah. I was like, Yo, just, just, just give me the ball. I gave it to you. Just give me the ball. And when he did, I, I, I hit six shots in a row that game. Give me the fucking ball. Oh, Don't got, fucking boss me around. Oh, there's, you know well, what I mean? Let's talk I'm a about... a grown fucking man. The difference between playing the game like kind of happy or or if you're in a good mood, but then something happens and then that, that man switch goes off. The switch went off for me today. Did you hear me yell at the dude in the bull shorts? Because no. I, I hit a shot on Timo. Like I hit a, a two threes in a row from the top of the key. The second three I hit... Dude, I've never seen you before. He's, I hit the three. He's like, he's like, yo, you got to get up on him. He's not going to do anything else. And I yell at him, you guard me. Like, and that's, oh, I didn't hear that. And I got so mad at that. Kicked it to, kicked me into like another gear. Like, just like when RD yells, you might have hit seven three pointers in a row today. You were launching with fucking just full launch. But you can thank him because I was pissed. Yo, I like my 
I like my pissed off game. You got to keep it under control, though. It can be. I'm a, not. A, but no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not saying. I don't get you. crazy. I'm saying in general because yeah. there's guys in our game who get angry, Lev. And, and it throws their their game off for sure. I've always been able to like. I can't say I've always been able to control my anger because I'm like a mellow, 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 mellow. Then bam, the whole fucking place comes crashing down in one swoop. So I actually haven't been great at just like keeping a nice little even anger bubble because I'm I'm just never angry. And so when it comes, it comes heavy. But in the game, I need to like put a little fire in my heart and a little anger and get that attitude because basketball is a game of attitude. Totally. That's what I love about it. Like we used to growing up playing outside, you know, in Southfield, summer league shit. My boys all were great, all talk shit, all had attitudes. It's like that was like the that was like the one of the, and you keep that attitude with you for years. But LA softens you after a while. So if you're here for that long like I have been, you start to get softer. When I first moved to LA, I got in a fight, a fist fight at Brentwood Park outdoors. Just on some crazy, I had a bad attitude. This dude was talking shit to me. He got in my face. Boom. I, I blasted him. I punched him in his teeth. His right. girl started screaming. And I remember these three dudes, I had. I would see them for years afterwards, like in bars or whatever. And they, they were always telling me, like, dude, we didn't know who the fuck you were. But we're like, who is this crazy ass white boy that just swung on a big muscular redhead? I was like, yo, bro, it's Detroit shit. Yeah, people, don't fuck with me. Don't people, get in my face. People here, they just shoot first and ask questions. Never, they think that no, there's gonna be no comeuppance. L.A. is the weirdest town for that. It's a fucking bitch town half the time. It really is. You know what I mean? Unless you get like the, I'm cool with the local dudes that grew up here. Like if you grew up here and this is your town, I'm cool. We're cool. But it's all these damn orphans that move in and pollute it and like come with their little bitchy attitudes. Just a, just a dare. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, Attitudes left and right, and I mean you, that you know the theory that we've talked about. It's like who you are comes out onto the court, and if you're having a bad day, a bad week, it's coming out onto the court for sure. Like yeah. those guys were having a great day, and then they found some news about their favorite team that pissed them off, and they fell to pieces. Fell They're, to pieces. They were yelling at each other like best friends. These guys have probably known each other for 10, 15 years, squabbling. Like you, you got you got to get off the ground. Yeah, no, you got to box out. I would box out, but you got to grab that ball. It's not a seven footer. Meanwhile, you're losing every game. Losing every game. I was thinking about that today. I was like, you know what? This is a game where you yell at your best buddies. You know, totally. I dogged you out today a little bit because you hit so many shots in a row, and then what did you say? I didn't even hear what you said. Oh, I think I told Timo to take you all day. I said all oh, day on in, that in the post because <clears throat> he's got six inches on you, and if he wanted to shoot over you, there's nothing you could do. Right, and then as soon as you said that, because I, I take pride in my defense, even though I'm short, people, if you're gonna come guard me in the post, it's not gonna be a picnic. If, no, if you, if well, you're, you're low, get, you're bottom heavy. If you're gonna get into the post with me, I'm gonna do my best. I'm, a, I save my anger for the defense, and then I try to like happy be, offense. Be happy offense, and you, yeah, you did yell like, "Oh, take him down all day!" And I, instead of going at you, I start going at Timo. Be like, "Yeah, Timo, come take me down all day. No, you know, there's vacancy in the paint." Yeah, and then you buried him. You did. You, you took that what I said, and you buried him. Yeah, but that, yo, that, when the game is over, it's all shake hands and love, and it's okay. It's okay to, to yell and get feisty on the court and let your fucking feelings out. Saying we're not living in a bitch world, you know what I mean? Like totally. It's okay to like that's where you, that's the place for it. You know? Like yeah. that's the place to like let people know how you feel about them on that day or how you're feeling yourself that day. It's like that's the beauty of sports, you know what I mean? It's an outlet and however you're whatever you're going through, it's going to come out in that game. You know, and I feel bad that I took the phone number from the girl at the club. Did from Ron, Ron say goodbye to you today? No, he left and then told me he hated me on a text. <laughs> he said he hates me as a basketball player. He doesn't. He, I find it uncomfortable knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I love you. I actually said, I love Ron. I only speak highly of him. And then I said, I don't understand. But 
his first rant when he said, single Mike playing basketball is disgusting. He should be jailed or stoned. I hate him. And then I wrote, you're hurt. I understand. Right. He's and, hurt. And you're going to see him tonight at this mega party? I, I hope he goes. It's Shabbat. He doesn't usually All go out right. on Shabbat. He probably won't go. He's going to be sitting with no electricity, just mad at you. I'm going to ask him right now on text. Are you sulking in tonight or are you going out? He's not going out tonight. He doesn't do that. He's he's going to be Shabbat and you'll see him tomorrow night. He has been known to go out on Shabbat before. Well, maybe to this mega party that you have to tell the people about. The mega the party of the year. Is so tonight. the party of the year. We're going to we're going to wrap this up soon. Uh the party of the year is tonight. So I got dinner plans with Saget. You know, we love catching up. Bob is like the greatest person to go to dinner with. You know, it's always funny. There's no one quicker in the mind. There's nobody with funnier one-liners when you're sitting chilling with him. It's just he's like neurotic like me, but like just smarter and sharper with his with his one with his with his with his quick wit. Uh, but tonight is Alec Gore's July Fourth party, and the last time I was there, Clooney's ex Stacy Keebler was like vibing on me, and I was and every girl there was a ten. And DJ Tiesto was performing on the beach. And he built like this giant beach deck that was just unbelievable. And it was great food going around and good drink and just a good quality party. And it was off the chain. And that's tonight. Now, I was set to just go to dinner with Saget. We weren't going to go to Malibu. But I hit him up because he's going through some things. And I thought he would have fun. I thought, you know what, single Mike. We'll take him out. I'll take Bob Saget to a party and let him enjoy himself because he deserves it. Guy's raised three great daughters, made a living for 35 years in the entertainment business. Say what you want. You know what I mean? That's my boy. So if he's going through something, I'm like, yo, I'm going to drop you in the middle of a party and enjoy yourself. And the irony is, is his agent, That's it's his party. <laughs> the guys that own Paradigm Agency, that's who these guys are. And they Bob's over at Paradigm and that's... He probably had never even met the guys, but like that's he should be at that party, you know. Really? Let him go enjoy that party. Guest of honor, you know, for real. So I think we're gonna head to that party. It's funny, man. I used to, like I did so much as a kid. Like I was, listen, I did some dirt. It's no lie. I'm no, I'm, I'm no angel. You know, what I mean, I've done dirty things in my life. I've been to massage parlors. My dad's friends owned them in Detroit, and I built, helped build a place called the Schwitz, where old gangsters go to sweat their life out, and you might get a hand job in a back room. It's no, you know, what I mean, I've been down a road before. My point is, is that I did so much wild stuff when I was like 19, 20, 21, 22, 20, that like I don't get as excited about events like I used to. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it, it's going to be great, no doubt. But, like, I used to tr go to these things when I was a kid, and I would just, like, have, like, this excitement. You know the excitement of going to, like, a high school party? Of course. You know, you're in the car, you're driving with your boys. There's, like, that feeling. I, I kind of want to find a way to get that feeling back. I think that I'm only getting that feeling knowing that I'm starting a movie or, like, writing something or, like, performing on stage. And that's the only, I, I got to find another way to get that fix because... As dope as the party's going to be, I would probably have just as much fun with Bob at the restaurant laughing and then, you know, me talking to the waitress. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Totally. And, I mean, it's just a situation where you, you don't want to get your hopes up too high. It's going to be the party of a lifetime. There is no such thing as a party of a lifetime. It's like there's... You ever, like, think you're going to the best thing ever and you get lost and somehow... And you get depressed but then somehow you end up somewhere else and it ends up being an amazing night. Those lost nights, you know, you got to just know that there is no best party in the world. Best party. My favorite time still to this day in life has been, besides the private jet with Leo for his birthday and shit like that, like going, you know, those are, I'll save that for the next podcast, but I have had a fucking life out here. But like my favorite shit ever was Detroit high school, Parking lot parties, drinking with the friends, hanging out, talking shit, laughing my ass off, just like hanging till one in the morning with your best buddies, you know what I mean, shooting the shit. You didn't need uh, to get in the club, you didn't need money, you had your beer, you had your hilarious, you had your music, house parties. Th that, to me, was the most fun shit of all time. Still is. Yeah. 
Show me a good house party. Well, you are going to a house party of sorts. This is a house party. It's the highest end house party. It you just know, happens to be Tiesto DJ. You know what it is? It's uh, it's having no expectations. None. Yo, my only thought on this party, and you tell me if I'm wrong, you think there's going to be crazy traffic going down to Malibu on a Friday night, July 4th weekend? On nighttime. Where well, are they going? Where are people going? Well, um, I'd say that there's a chance that there might be a checkpoint, like a, a drunk driving checkpoint. They, uh-huh. do, they are known to do that in Malibu because the community is very aware of that. So, yeah. But that, that might be on the way there. That might be on the way back. You don't know. So you may have to plan accordingly because people are... It's a, yeah. People are... Well, maybe you hope that people are already there. The traffic isn't... Because this town already shut down for July 4th. Yeah. You know, people are out of town right now. Yeah. Or people already are in Malibu. So maybe it might not be too crazy. I mean, it'll be crazy tomorrow. Totally. July 4th, oh. driving to Malibu tomorrow will be an absolute nightmare disaster. No way. There are parties going on, but it'll be a disaster. And at the end of the day, you go, what, do I, what am I going for? And you're just going to connect with people, socialize. When you're single, I'm you know I'm single, so like for me it'll be cool to maybe meet some cool gr- girls. Excuse me, meet some cool chicks. You know what I mean? Get some phone numbers for the year to come. You know, winter's coming. Stock them up. Stock it up. It's always a fun thing. A bunch of my boys will be there, so that'll be cool. Danny, our producers will be there. It'll be fun. So we'll let you know how that party goes, but you know. I could tell you stories about the real, real, real Hollywood party shit that I've been able to see. And without naming too many names, I'll tell you a couple adventures when I come back. But I think we uh, we banged out an hour, you know? What we got on that thing? Close to it. Yeah. I think it's perfect. So this is Mike Young. That's Jordan Winter. Post-basketball. We, but we bring it all, it all comes back to the men's league somehow. You know what I mean? The screening, the reviews were great. One old party, had a bash, got a girl's number, friend got upset, saw him at basketball. His game was affected by the fact that I got a phone number. Let it go, people. Let it go. Fellas, live by man code and we're all good. I live by a code. That's it. Live by a code. This is it. We're out. Mike Young, peace.